So what I have, what I have today is I have two passages of Scripture. And the first one, um, just the season that we're in and all that's going on, the first one is, is one that really was kind of getting at me a little bit. And I, think, I felt like God just kept bringing it up to my, in, in my mind. And so I want to I read that passage of Scripture. And then what happened is it took me to a second uh, passage of Scripture that I think just is a natural lead-in. So what I want to do is I want to read the first passage, make a couple notes about it, and then we're going to sing a song to, to let it sit in our minds, and then we'll go to the second passage, and we'll be challenged. Are you ready for that? Are you good with that? So that's where we're going to go this morning. But I thought to get us like connected to the first passage, we need to stand together and hear, hear God's word. So would you stand with me? We don't do this every week, but I just want to make sure we're dialed into it, because I know sometimes when I start talking, I have a voice that can put some of you to sleep. And I don't want to do that. I want you to, I want you to hear this passage of scripture, and I want to, I want to encourage us to open our, our minds and our hearts and find what God might have for us so that we might take a step of faith uh, in our lives closer to Jesus. Okay, are you ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, now envision it in your mind as we read this. Envision a great crowd gathered. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance or run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now, Jesus is seated in the place of honor beside the throne of God. Now, isn't this a good word? Okay, so... That's a good word for all of us to let sink into our minds and into our hearts. So as you're seated, I want you to look at someone and say, don't give up yet. So go ahead and sit down and let's tell somebody, don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. Come on, don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. I was going to tell you to tell the person next to you, keep running. But then I thought some people might make a joke and run out of the room and not come back, and I didn't want you to leave. So don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. I remember um, when I was in high school, and I had the opportunity to visit some colleges and uh, talk to some football coaches about the potential of, of, of playing football. And um, at one of my visits, uh, the, the visit of the school that I wanted um, to choose me, but they didn't choose me. Um, I wasn't good enough. And they were right, I wasn't. 
Um, but I went to visit, and I, I, spent, I spent the day down in Auburn, Alabama. And, oh, listen, there's nothing like the Plains on a Saturday, game day. So I go down, and I spend the day at Auburn, and one of the things they let us do uh, before the game is they let us go out on the field as the players were warming up, and we went out on the field, and uh, it was awesome. And I looked at these players, and I thought to myself, I can't play with them. I don't have in me what I need to be able to play at this level, which was a little bit depressing, but it was true. And then the players, after their warm-ups, and they go through all the things that they do, and the offense comes out on the field, and they run through a few plays, and the, um, Auburn this year, by the way, was undefeated. <laughs> because of recruiting violations, they couldn't play any playoff games, so, but they were undefeated. And um, the players go back into the locker room, and the coach talks to them a little bit. And then um, what they did with the recruits is they let us stand at the tunnel where the team exits the locker room back onto the field before the game. And at Auburn, um, when Auburn runs onto the field and they take the field, there's 86,000 people in the stands. And there are shakers, orange and blue shakers. And... I remember standing on that field, and I had never experienced 86,000 people on their feet screaming with orange and blue shakers, and I found myself surrounded by a crowd of fans, and I'm telling you, as a wannabe athlete, I wanted to be playing that day, and even though I didn't have it in me, I had it in me. You know what I mean? There's something about a crowd of witnesses. There's some athletes in the room. There's something about a crowd that does something to you that makes you want to keep running the race and not give up and run with perseverance what is before you. Uh, a few years after that, I, um, I was living in Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Whew. There's not much in Dayton, Ohio. Have you ever been there? I was living in Dayton, Ohio, and Robin and I, um, it's just the two of us at the time, and my mom, uh, after my parents divorced, my mom had started running. And I wasn't, a, I wasn't a, a distance runner. I ran sprints in high school for the track team, but not a distance runner. My mom started running. I think some of it was probably for some healing of what um, she had experienced in life, and so running became her, her outlet. It became her, her healing, her therapy in many ways. And so my mom started running marathons, so she didn't start running until she was 40 years old. Um, since then, she's run like 80, 90 marathons or something crazy like that. Um, she needed a lot of therapy. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Mom. Um, she's going to call me in a minute and be like, what? don't say that. Um, so she wanted to run a marathon, so she decided to come to Dayton, Ohio. So she flies into Dayton, Ohio. I didn't know this, but uh, there is a marathon in Dayton, Ohio, and it is the Air Force Marathon, the Air Force Marathon. Um, and apparently people fly in from many places to run marathons. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, 
I was only going to run a marathon if someone paid me. I wasn't going to pay to fly anywhere to run a marathon. That's way too much work. But people actually fly in and run the marathon. So my mom flew in, and I had never experienced this kind of thing before. She flies in, and, you know, she gets ready. She has to go early in the morning to get to the start line. And she's like, you want to come watch the start? And I'm like, that's too early. Um, what time are you going to finish? And so I don't even think I went to the start line to watch her start. I know, I'm a terrible son. You can judge me all you want. But it was early, and I wasn't a runner, so I didn't get it. And I um, go to see the finish, and have you ever been to a, a marathon at the end of a marathon? People line the street. There is a crowd gathered. And you, have, you, you may have just run 26 miles, but that last .2 miles, you've got something extra in the tank that comes out when you are surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. And I think when Paul is writing this passage of Scripture, he's encouraging those who have been walking through uh, challenging times. He's, he's encouraging those who are wondering if they're ever going to get a break or if anything is ever going to come together as they think it should come together. Will there be good in the world as God promised there should be good in the world? And I think for us, having come through what we've just come through or what we're continuing to walk through, we many times have questions on, is life ever going to look like it once did or is life ever going to look like I think it should look again? And so Paul is writing, or the author of Hebrews, some say Paul, uh, others aren't quite sure that that. He was the one who wrote it, but someone writing to encourage the believers. And he says, don't forget that you are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. And in my mind, I, 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 I envision all these heroes of the faith. Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Esther and Ruth. I mean, some heroes of the Old Testament. Heroes of the faith. And I think in the New Testament even of Mary and Martha and Peter and John and I envision almost like that we're in the stadium and they're leaning over, cheering us on, saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop running the race that God... You, you know what I mean? Um, I'm going to tell you something. You, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, I, I get into the Olympics. Does anybody get into the Olympics? Does anybody else watch any of the Olympics? Does anybody watch some of the Olympics? Man, um, I love some of the stories that come out of the Olympics. I always have some certain races that I watch or, or events that I watch that I'm a little surprised that I'm actually into it. This year, my wife was like, hey, I want to watch. They changed the name. It's not synchronized swimming anymore. It's like artistic swimming, I think is what they call it, or something to that nature. And my, my wife's like, we're going to watch artistic swimming. And I'm like, you're going to watch artistic swimming. And um, I'm going to watch other things. And uh, I, I was watching some of the 
I'm just kidding. I watched one with her. Um, but I like to watch the races and the competitions, uh, such as, you know, the 400 and the 800 and the 1500 and even the 5000. And uh, one of my favorite races from this Olympics uh, was one of the semifinal heats, I think, of the 1500. And a runner from the Netherlands who was picked to win the whole thing. Some of you will know this, uh, this little story. She was picked to win the whole thing, and she was in the semifinals. But that night, she had to run the finals of the 5,000, the 5K finals. And so she wanted to keep some stuff in the tank so she could run the finals that night, but she wanted to, uh, she wanted to get through the semifinals to the finals of the 1500. So she had to do that in the afternoon before the night of the finals. And so she's just cruising. She's just cruising on the 1500, kind of behind the leaders, just kind of taking her time. And you can tell she's not running hard. And it, it makes me mad as an athlete because, you know, you, most of us can't do that. But she's just cruising. And 1,500 is almost four laps around the track. And so they've made it a couple laps around. And they ring the bell uh, for the final lap. You know, they ring that bell. And uh, she's getting ready to go on that final lap. And uh, she has to cut over. And someone cuts in front of her. And, and someone falls right in front of her. And she tries to jump over her, but she kind of lands awkwardly on her and falls on the final lap of the semifinals, which she's trying to qualify for the finals. Do you guys remember this? Did anybody see this? And Hassan from, from the Netherlands, she wants to keep it in the tank because she's got a finals that night, but she doesn't give up. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm probably just going to give up because you're going to win the finals tonight, so you don't worry about the 1,500. You know, the 5,000 is longer than the 15, so what does it matter? Just, you know, just call it a day. She gets up. She has 400 meters left, and she starts running, and she doesn't give up. And guess who won that semifinal? The one who fell on the track. She got up off the track and finished the 400 and won the semifinal. It's unbelievable. I wish I had a video because you'd get more excited. I know <laughs> my son read a book this summer, and he was like, I hated the book. I'm going to watch the movie tonight. And I'm like, why would you watch the movie if you hated the book? And he said, the movie's always better. <laughs> He's young, don't worry, he'll learn. <laughs> There's something that the writer, the author, wants us to see, the life, that life is almost like a race that God has set before us. And there's this crowd of witnesses, this great crowd of witnesses that are leaning over, cheering us on. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up. For God has set before you a race, and there is at the end of your race, there is something worth the run, more than you could ever imagine. So here's how we do that. Here's how we do that. Uh, the author gives us just a few little thoughts here. And the first is this. Strip off every weight. That as you're running the race that God puts before you, and, you know, this is what's interesting about this, this piece of, of Scripture is that even if you don't believe in God, there's, there's, some good, there's some good in this. That life sometimes weighs us down. We pick up baggage. We pick up different things that weigh us down. And, and so the author says, strip off every weight 
that would slow you down from the race of life that God's put in front of you. And he says, especially the sin that so easily will trip you up. And I was thinking about, like, in a race, you know, when you're running around the track, um, there's, there's really nothing there to stop you unless you're a hurdler or you run steeplechase. And then there's like, uh, there's, there's, like, objects that are in the way, and you think if you just move the hurdles out of the way, you could run so much faster, right? Like, just get the hurdles out of the way and just run the race. Like, 400 hurdles? Who wants to run the 400 hurdles? Like, that's ridiculous. Just get the hurdles out of the way. And I think we have biblical evidence that that's true. We should get everything out of the way and just run the race as it was intended. And he says, look, if you want to run the race well, you've got to get rid of the things that weigh you down. And some of us are walking through life or running the race of life, and we are being weighed down by things that God says that we can get rid of. There are things that we need to set aside so we can run the race well. All of us. I wonder what that is for you today. There's definitely some things in my life that I need to get rid of so that I can run the race that God has set before. There are things that entangle me and trip me up. And I know what some of you are thinking. He's going to talk about Shea again, but I'm not. I'm not going to talk about Shay and slow drivers. There are things, there are seriously things that entangle us and keep us from running the race that God has for us. Um, now, it's here at, here at McDowell, it's, it's Monday nights. It's just change. There's a group of people who are working to untangle themselves from addiction so that they can run the race of life in freedom. AA is one of the most powerful programs uh, not, it's not even a program, it's a journey. It's one of the most powerful journeys toward freedom that anyone can take. And here's the deal. You might not be an alcoholic, but you are addicted to something that entangles you and keeps you from the race that God has for you, that he's put in front of you. All of us are addicts to different things. Some of our addictions just cause more physical harm and different things in us, but all of us are addicts to something, and we all need to be free from the things. And the author in Scripture says, look, you are running a race. You're surrounded by witnesses. Now get rid of the things that hold you back from, from the, the enjoyment, the joy that comes from the run that God has given you. And some of us have lost our joy. And part of that is because we're allowing things to hold us back or entangle us. Are you with me? Yeah. And when I say that, I, my prayer is that we would open our hearts and our minds. I, like, I don't know what that is for you, but God does. And I believe with everything that I am, that if we will open our hearts and our minds toward God as we read passages of the scripture and we wrestle with what is it that's entangled me, God will bring that to your mind. And he'll give you the power to strip off anything that's holding you back from running in the, in the, the race that he set for you. Second thing he says is run with endurance or perseverance. Like don't give up. Like, you've got to run with endurance. Do you know there's a huge difference between um, a 100-yard sprint or a 100-meter sprint and a marathon? Did you know there's a difference between the two? And life isn't a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
Uh, when I was in high school, I ran track. I did the decathlon. Did you watch the decathlon? Did anybody watch the decathlon in the Olympics? It's a cool, it's 10 events. It's pretty, pretty cool because it's a variety of things. I did the decathlon in high school. And um, the last event of the decathlon is the 1500. And so it's a long, it's a little bit longer race. And I, like I told you, I wasn't a distance runner. And I got to the, the last, um, I was, I was in, in the mix my senior year to like place in the state decathlon meet. So I get to the, the 1500 and I decide I'm going to run with the fastest runner. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> like the gun goes off. I'm in, I'm in the mix to like place in our state and the gun goes off and I like in my um, teenage mind, some teenagers think they know everything. <laughs> I'm like, I can do it. The only thing holding me back is the body, but my mind, can, it can get me there. So I'm just going to take off running. I took off running. Um, I'm pretty sure that runner and probably most other runners in, in the finals that day lapped me, <laughs> which is humiliating to be lapped in a four-lap race. <laughs> I took off running for the first 50 meters. I was a champion. Some of us take off running like we are out of the gates with everything that we are, and pretty soon we realize we don't have in the tank what we need to finish the race. And listen, the author here says, run with endurance. To run with endurance, you have to continually fill the tank. You, you have to rest to run with endurance. You, you, can't, you can't just burn it at both ends and get to the end with the joy and the hope and the peace that God wants you to have. You've got to run with endurance. And then he says this. I, I knew this would happen. Like I'd get into the passage and I just, there's so many little pieces in this passage. It's such a good word for all of us. Um, are, is God doing something in your heart? I hope, I hope like you're opening yourself and he's like nudging you in certain directions. I really do hope that there's something in there. He ends with this we, we have to keep our eyes. We have, to, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And listen to what it says about Jesus. He is the champion. He's run the race better than anyone else in all of history. He is the perfect human being. And the way that we, we run the race is that we keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the, the, the perfect example of humanity. We keep our eyes on him. He's the champion. And listen to this. He both initiates and perfects our faith. Now, some of you need to hear that. Like Jesus is the one who kick-started your faith, and he is the one who will perfect it as well. Isn't that awesome to know? That God isn't just counting on you to get what you need out of yourself to run the race that Jesus actually both initiated and he will perfect it as you open yourself to his spirit. Now, um, I want to come back in a minute and I want to I dig into another passage of scripture that talks a little bit more specifically 
what happens when we are driven by our own selfish ambition in the race of life and what happens when we allow the Spirit to lead us in the race that God has set before us. Um, we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. So let us strip off everything that slows us down, anything that would, would weigh us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. We do this, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who both initiates and perfects our faith. That's a good word. There's this other passage that as I was, as I was digging in more and more to Hebrews, um, and this, this passage that talks about stripping away the weight that slows us down, my mind drifted over to a passage from Galatians that says this, you have been called to live in freedom. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I feel like I should preach that different. My brothers and sisters, you have been called to live in freedom. You've been called to live in freedom. But, but, but. And here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing about life. And I think this is an interesting take on freedom and the experiment we have on freedom even in a place like the United States. I think we're running into some questions on what is freedom? What is freedom? What does it mean to be free? And here in Galatians, Paul is talking about freedom and he says, but we, we sometimes do something with freedom and, and we, we take that freedom and we use it to satisfy our own, what, what he calls, what he's referring to as our sinful nature. And what he means by that is selfishness. That sometimes we take freedom, the freedom to run the race that God has set before us, and he says we leverage that freedom that we have to satisfy our selfishness. And he says, instead of doing that, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom as you run your race to serve one another in love. Now listen, uh, the Olympics, all the things, races, running, I, I like track. Some of you are tired of me of talking about it already. Um, but there's, in my mind, one of, one of the best races you can watch is a relay race. In a relay race, you have to depend on one another to get to the finish line. And I think that is the picture that, that we find here where he's saying you, you have unbelievable freedom. Like God, when you, when you, when you choose to, to give yourself to Jesus and keep your eyes on him, you have unbelievable freedom but what you do with that freedom is important. Many times we, we use that freedom or we leverage that freedom only for our own selfish intent. 
But Paul says, instead of doing that, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the entire law, like if you think about Scripture as a law that God gives us, the entire law can be summed up in this one command. And this is what Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. On the race of life, in the race of life, in the race that God has set before you, you can, you can only, you, 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 can, you can concentrate just on what you want, or you can realize that we're in this together. We're in this race together. I mean, look around you. Everyone in this room, everyone not in this room, is in this race of life together. We're in this race together. And if God is at the center of our lives, if Jesus is the champion of the faith, then we must love our neighbor as ourselves. Listen to what he says. If you're always biting and devouring each other, watch out because you'll destroy each other. And friends, when I look around at the state of our world right now, and in some ways, when I look around at the state of the church, not just this church, but I mean the church at large, the big C church in our world, I look around and I think, man, we are just biting and devouring each other on this race that God has given us. In this, in this mission that he's given us to love the world and bring his grace and his mercy and his hope and his peace, we tend to start arguing and biting and devouring each other, and we are destroying one another. And he says, so let the Holy Spirit guide you. And then you won't be filled with your, your sinful nature, your selfishness, and, and doing the things that that craves or drives you toward in your lives. Now, he gives us two lists. And these two lists give us the results of being driven by selfishness or being driven by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Two lists. So the first one that I'm going to put up shows us what happens when we are driven by our selfishness, and the second one is what happens when God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, fills us and leads us and guides us. Now, these are starkly different. They are, and I just want to encourage you to, to just consider some of the results and the things that you're walking out in life and just see which, oh gosh, you're, you wish you wouldn't have come to church today now all of a sudden. Like, he gets to the end, like I'm all with him on the, watching the Olympics and all that, and he gets to the end, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not doing this to put guilt on, on you. I'm just, I think we all need to be confronted with the things sometimes that are holding us back from the joy that God has for us in life. So here's the first list. Oof. When you follow the desires, your selfish desires or your sinful nature, what Paul often writes as your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. And we, many of us, we read this far in the list and we feel like, oh, we're doing pretty good. Like, I'm doing okay now. Like, I mean, I may struggle with a couple of those things, but for the most part, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Sorcery, check. I don't even like Harry Potter. I mean, I... <laughs> but don't stop reading. 
Like, remember what I told you at the beginning, don't, don't give up yet, don't quit yet, don't stop, keep running, like, keep reading. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension. It's like, Paul, we get it. Slow down. Like, division. <laughs> Paul. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties. And I could keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like what Paul's writing. He just keeps going. Now, notice what this is, what this list is. It's a result of selfish behavior. Running the race in a selfish way. Oh. It's, it's almost painful, isn't it? Okay, let's, let's move on. <laughs> you guys are like dead silent in the room right now. You're like, let's not talk about that anymore. But it's the list that I think is important for us to, to consider. Like, are there things that are arising in my life that are the result of selfishness? I'm being driven by selfishness. So he moves on to this last part of the list, and he says, but when you're running the race and you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and control you, Here's what he produces in your life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now, just on first take of those two lists, Which of the two lists would lead us to a better world today? Okay, you guys are like, okay, Matt. You're a preacher, of course, of course, you're gonna say all this. No, but I'm serious. Who would you rather live next door to? Who would you rather sit around the table with? Who, who would you rather go to work with? Who would you rather spend time with? The, the, the one who's prone to outbursts of anger because of their selfish ambition or the one who is gentle and kind? Anybody in the room needs some patience? You need, you need some grace from the people in your life? Anyone like need that because you make mistakes? Does anyone make any mistakes in here? Or is it, so maybe like a quarter of us need some grace and we do. And what Paul wants us to understand is that we're all running this race and, and we can use the freedom that God gives us to just indulge in the things that we want and just put ourselves at the center. And here's what we will find is that if we always put ourselves at the center of the race that God has put in front of us, we will end the race all alone because no one wants to be with us. We just bite and devour and, and destroy. And pretty soon, people distance themselves. But if we begin to allow the Spirit to fill us and we're led by the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, 
self-control. Man, I want that to be the result of my life. That's, that sounds like a much better run, much better race. Um, would you stand with me? I, I'm going to let you chew on those two passages. And if you're wondering where they come from, the first one comes from Hebrews, which is getting closer to the end of the, the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture all the way through. Read the whole thing this week. The second one comes from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Hebrews 12, Galatians 5. So God, you give us freedom in your spirit, and you want to do a work of transformation in our lives. You want to breathe life into us. Just like you created us, you want to recreate us in the spirit. So God, we, we lean into your spirit. We, we open ourselves to be filled by your spirit. Give us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and, and self-control as we run the race that you've set out before us.